to take your Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 10. The Gospel of John and chapter 10. Our text this morning is going to be verses 22 through 30. And last week, uh, we were in John chapter 10 as well. And we looked at Jesus Christ as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. John 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. It's another one of those I am statements that Jesus makes recorded in the Gospel of John. I am the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. We also looked at the fact that he is the door of the sheepfold. And the thought behind it was there's only one way into the safety of the sheepfold, and that's through the door. Jesus said earlier in the chapter, in verse 1, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And we talked about how there's only one way into the safety of the sheepfold, and that is through the door. The shepherd himself uh, was the door. And the equation was that there's only one way of salvation, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 9 of chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And so that's where we were last time uh, in this passage, considering Jesus as the good shepherd. Today, in our text, verses 22 through 30, we're going to consider the safety of the sheep. Now follow along with me as we read this passage beginning in verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We're going to consider the safety of the sheep this morning from this passage. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you would take your word and encourage us with it today. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to again rejoice in the fact that we are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ and there's no fear of death there's no fear of dying there's no fear of of where we're going to spend eternity when we're in the Lord Jesus Christ there's security and father we thank you that we have eternal life through him and I pray Lord that you would encourage our hearts with these truths today may God's people rejoice and honor and worship you from it in Jesus name amen now notice verse 22 with me by way of introduction here. Verse 22 says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. 
Now, what we need to understand here is there's about a three-month gap between the discourse of the first half of John 10, where we were last week, and that of our text here today. And although the subject matter uh, ties in with the theme of Jesus as the Good Shepherd uh, of His sheep, what we need to remember is that the setting for that was the Feast of the Tabernacles. In fact, John chapter 7 all the way through uh, John chapter 10 and verse 21 uh, was the setting for the Feast of the Tabernacles. That was in the fall. The Feast of the Tabernacles was a fall celebration. The Bible says here that it's winter and it's the Feast of the Dedication. Now, the Feast of the Dedication was not something that was prescribed in the Old Testament. We looked back in the Old Testament and we looked at what God had placed uh, for the nation of Israel regarding the Feast of the Tabernacles. And Jesus made a lot of statements in context of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Uh, and he, he said, I am the bread. And he talked about being the light of the world. And he fulfilled all of those, uh, um, all of those uh, symbols uh, in those feasts. But the, the Feast of the Dedication was not prescribed in the Old Testament. But rather, it was something uh, that began when the temple was rededicated in 165 B.C. And that came after the Maccabean revolt that threw off the evil Antiochus Epiphanes. Um, that's not something that, again, was prescribed in the Old Testament, although it is still celebrated by Jews today, but we know it as Hanukkah today. All right? So that's just a little bit of the history of what's happening here, but it's more that it gives us the time frame. There's about a three-month gap between what we were talking about last week in our text here today. But now notice verse 24. Verse 24 says, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. All right, so the Bible tells us that Jesus is walking in the temple. He's in Solomon's porch, and you can just imagine it as Jesus is walking through the temple all of a sudden, here comes all of the Pharisees and the Jews, and the Bible says they, they, they went round about him. Do you notice that? So Jesus is walking along, maybe minding his own business, and here comes all the Pharisees, and they start, and they get in a circle all around Jesus. How would you feel in that kind of a situation? You're minding your own business, you're walking around town, you're in the store, and all of a sudden, there's a gang of people that come and surround you. Man, I would be like... Like, we're going to fight. We're going to go. Something's about to go down here. They're trying to intimidate the Lord. Now, other times that they had confronted Jesus about some things, the Bible tells us that Jesus escaped out of their hands, out of their grasp, out of their sight. So maybe this time they're like, okay, we're really going to pin him down. We're going to get him. And they want to circle around him to try to intimidate him. I don't know exactly what their motive for that was, but the Bible makes note of the fact that they went round about him, and they're going, to, they're going to ask him this question. And the question is, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, in this context here, as Jesus is walking in the temples and the Jews surround him, 
And they ask him this question. Basically, what they're saying is, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're really the Christ, if you're really the chosen of God, if you're really the Messiah, why don't you just tell us plainly? Now, at first thought, we might wonder if the Jews' question here was finally sincere. We might have the thought of like, okay, maybe, maybe they're really questioning. Maybe they really want to know. Maybe they're willing to submit to the Lord at this point and, and, and so on. But I don't think that's really the case here. I don't believe that that's what was happening. I don't think they were coming to Jesus with the attitude of saying, you know what, we're, we're, we're willing to consider and bow to the fact that you might be the Messiah, but I just I have a few questions, and I, I'm asking, Lord, could you please answer these questions to clear it up in my mind? I don't think it was the humble heart attitude that they were coming with. In fact, it looks to me like they're really blaming Jesus for their unbelief, saying, in effect, if, if you would just make it clear, if you would just say it plainly, maybe then we'd believe in you, but it's your fault that we don't believe. Jesus, who knew the hearts of all people and certainly knew what was going on in their hearts, knew that these men were not seeking answers to legitimate questions, and so he replies to them. And notice Jesus' reply to them in verse 25 and 26. Jesus answered them, I told you. So the question is, if you're really the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus says, I told you. And he believed not. And then he says, the works that I do in my Father's name... They bear witness of me, but ye believe not. And so when Jesus told them this here, the question that comes to my mind was, when exactly did Jesus tell them, I'm the Messiah? Notice the question they ask. If thou be the Christ, that's the chosen of God, that's the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus said, I told you. But when did Jesus tell them that he was the Messiah? In those words. He hadn't. The only time that he had clearly stated in those words was to the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well in John 4. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee, am he. But there's no other time and no other record where Jesus said in those words, I am the Christ, I'm the Messiah. So is Jesus lying when he says, I told you? No, he's not lying. See, the Jews, the Jewish leaders especially, they had a political idea of the Messiah who he would be, what kind of a Messiah he would be. They wanted that conquering king who would free them from Rome. This was their idea and understanding of the Messiah. Jesus had not told them directly in those words that he is the Christ, that he's the Messiah. And the reason was because they would have misunderstood. They wanted that conquering king. They did not want to submit to him as Savior. 
However, if they actually had ears to hear, they could have recognized who Jesus was all along the way from John chapter 1 all the way up to John chapter 10. They could have understood it through John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus being the Lamb of God, the Son of God that taketh away the sin of the world in John 1.29. They could have heard it in Jesus' own words in John chapter 5 where He claimed to have equal honor with God and to be able to give life to whomever He will. They could have understood it then. In fact, they even said later on, they said they understood that he was making himself equal with God. They could have understood it in the claim that, the, that, that Jesus made that the scriptures testified of him. And if they would just come to him, he would give them life. That's John 5, 39. They could have understood it. In Jesus' own words, that when He said that I am the bread of life, and in His, and, and, and His promise that He would raise up all whom the Father had given to Him in the last day, John chapter 6. They could have understood it in Jesus' claim to be the light of the world in John chapter 8. They especially should have heard it in His claim of John 8.58, where Jesus said, Before Abraham was... I am. See, when Jesus said, I told you, this is what he's referring to. I've told you in many words, uh, in all of this discourse and intercourse I've had with you, I've told you that I'm the Christ. But they not only had Jesus' words, but they also had his works that he did in the Father's name. In John 10 and verse 25 here, what Jesus says, I told you and you believe not. But then he says, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me who I am. Well, what's he talking about? Well, the Jewish leaders had seen and heard about the miracles that Jesus did, including the lame man who was healed by the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. What did the Pharisees do in that situation? They condemned the man who was healed, and then they condemned Jesus because it was done on the Sabbath day. Forget about the fact that, the guy, that a miracle just happened, and the guy could now walk. How about the man that was born blind in John chapter 9 that we covered a couple of weeks ago? Here's a man who'd never seen anything in his life. And his, his own conclusion was, who can do this except for God? Unless God is with him. Their answer to him was, well, we weren't born in sins and you're trying to teach us? Jesus said, the works that I do, that I've done in the Father's name, they bear witness of who I am. But you still haven't believed. He had miraculously turned water into wine in John chapter 2. He fed the 5,000 plus women and children in John chapter 6 that they were all aware of, but none of this resulted in their believing. Jesus said in verse 26, but ye believe not. So the words, I told you, but you didn't believe. The works I've done, you've seen it, but you still haven't believed. So to answer your question, to the question, if you're really the Christ, would you just tell us plainly 
It's as clear as day, but you still don't believe. In fact, they were becoming increasingly hardened in their rejection of Jesus Christ to the point that when we get to John chapter 11 and Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, immediately they want to kill Jesus again. They were even more determined at that point. Here's one who was raised from the dead. So why, in spite of all of this evidence, were the Jewish leaders so adamantly opposed to Jesus Christ as their Messiah? Well, Jesus tells them why. In verse 26, he says, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is the reason why you don't believe, because you're not of my sheep. By their persistent unbelief, they proved themselves unfit to enter into the sheepfold of His chosen ones. They couldn't enter in because they didn't believe. And this question of the Jews was not a legitimate question. There was ample proof. However, that question gave Jesus the opportunity to explain more fully the relationship and the privilege that his sheep actually have with him. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the safety of the sheep. And as we go through the rest of this passage, now notice Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them, not to you, but I give unto my sheep eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Notice the safety of those of the sheepfold. Now, let me just say this before we get into this passage. All people, but especially children, have the basic need of feeling secure and loved. Ladies, women especially, also need to feel secure and feel loved. And kids and children, but everybody has that, that need. And, and kids need to grow up in a family where the parents love one another and where, where the child feels safe and secure and they're assured of the fact that their parents love them no matter what they do. It's a sad thing in some cases where, where a parent would threaten to withhold their love as a punishment to their child for some sort of disobedience. In cases like that, the child is not going to feel secure. In fact, they're going to they're maybe work hard to earn their parents' love, but they're going to feel like they never can. It's tragic. But you know what? The same thing is true in our spiritual life with God. God wants His spiritual children to know that He loves and accepts them through the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. He doesn't love us because of how we perform. Listen, if, we, if, it, was, if it was based on performance, we would, we would fail all the time and we would never have security because we'd always be working and trying and trying, but we could feel like failures because we can never earn it. Because I'm always constantly failing. You ever felt like that? 
I know I feel like a failure a lot of time, but I am so glad that the Word of God uh, clearly tells me that God's love for me is not based on my performance to Him. It's based on His character and His promise. And I know, no matter what, that I am secure. There's something that's very freeing and something that's very liberating when you are so secure in a relationship that no matter what happens, you know that relationship is not going anywhere. There's something that so, gives so much confidence in that. That is what we're talking about here. That's the kind of thing that Jesus is describing here. When he says, my sheep, they hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And guess what? I give them eternal life, and they are secure. No matter what, nobody can pluck them out of my Father's hand. He wants us to know that we're eternally secure in our salvation. Listen, even when we fail and we sin, as a loving Father, sure, He's going to discipline us for our good, but that discipline works the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our life so that we can share in holiness with the Lord. But He will not withdraw His love. He will not cast us off as His children. And it's important for our spiritual growth that we know and feel that our salvation is forever secure. Well, Jesus speaks to the relationship that He has with his sheep or those that are saved, those that belong to him and the security that we have in him. We're going to consider just two things this morning. The relationship of the sheep, but then also the security of the sheep. Consider, look at first of all, their relationship in verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. What does this tell us? What does this indicate to us? It indicates to us that we belong to him. My sheep, hear my voice. I know them. It indicates that we belong to him. Friends, I want to try to encourage you in your salvation today, in your security in the Lord. I want your heart to rejoice and be full in the fact that God loves you. He always will. You're secure forever. And here's the bottom line. I'll get ahead of myself just for a minute. The bottom line is when you leave this life, you're going to be forever with the Lord. It is a hope confident expectation. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's what I want you to get today. So that you can leave here rejoicing in the Lord, the joy of your salvation, the confidence and security that you have in Christ. Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them. It indicates to us that we belong to him. How do we belong to him? Well, there's two things that I want to point out here. First of all, in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. We belong to him only by his grace. Notice that Jesus says it's his voice that calls. My sheep, they hear 
my voice. It's the shepherd's voice. Now listen, also, it's the shepherd's will. It's the shepherd's choice to give that call to his sheep. And this is what I mean by we belong to him by his grace. He doesn't have to call. But he does. It's his voice. It's his choice. It's his will to call. And listen, here's the application. If you're saved today, friend, you're only saved by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you know it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. By grace we're saved, not of ourselves. Listen, there is nothing special about us. There is nothing special about you. There's nothing special about me that I could ever earn favor with God. But sometimes we, we forget the fact that there's nothing special about me. And we go through our Christian life and we're like, man, I'm saved and I'm a, I'm a child of God. And, and we kind of, sometimes people look at themselves in a way that says, you know, God got something when he got me. He got a great deal. But no, I'm a sinner. I'm a worthless sinner who's only saved by the grace of God. And I wouldn't be here if the, if the Savior didn't come by and call first. There's nothing I can do. You can't be baptized. You can't do some good works to receive eternal life. We don't have that ability and we don't have that. Uh, we don't have the capability. Only by his grace are we saved. In fact, sticking with the theme of the sheep, Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Romans chapter 3 and verse 11 says, There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 6 and verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him. He said in verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. The point I'm trying to make here is this. Because we're like sheep and we've gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way, because there's none that seeketh after God, and everyone's gone out of the way, and because of the fact that no man can come to, the, uh, to Jesus Christ except the Father draw him, or except we've been taught of God. Listen, the Lord could have passed by us in our waywardness and in our misery. But in love and mercy, he spoke to my heart and my soul. In love and mercy, he called and began to draw. Listen, if he did not speak, we would never hear his voice. And we would never have a chance to be his. My sheep hear my voice. It was by his will that he chose to call. Only by his grace. You following that thought? Listen, I remember the days of rebellion before I was saved. I remember going my own way and going astray and wanting to control my own life and do my own thing. I also remember that it, that it didn't bring satisfaction like I thought. 
After some time in the world, understanding that my life is empty and it's vain, I remember going astray. I remember what I was, but I also remember His call. I also remember when God began to pull at my heart. I also remember when God began to open my eyes from my blindness of how I was living to see the terrible danger that I was in with God. I needed His voice to tell me that. I remember the thoughts that would enter into my heart, like, what have I done? I'm in trouble with God. Because He began to open up my eyes to my sinful heart and my wickedness and my straying and my hatred toward God. And to cause me to see that if I don't believe in Him, if I don't trust in Him, I'm forever going to be lost and experience the judgment of God. I remember God beginning to draw my heart and His voice beginning to speak. I remember that terrible conviction I would feel in my soul. If he didn't speak, he could have passed by in my waywardness and my misery. But because he loved me, he opened his voice so that I could hear, so that I could begin to see. And my eyes were opened. And listen, if it wasn't for his voice, if it wasn't for his gentle calling, I would be forever lost. And friend, there is no other voice like His. To hear His voice and to respond means to turn and live. But listen, to reject His voice is to die in your sins. So when they ask this question, would you just tell us plainly? He said, I told you, but you didn't believe. You've seen all the works, but you didn't believe. In all of those things, Jesus' voice was calling, giving them an opportunity to respond, but they didn't believe. And Jesus said to them, because you won't believe, you're going to die in your sins. Listen, we're His. Only by His grace. My sheep hear my voice. We hear His voice by His grace, but then... I want you to point out that we respond by a deliberate choice. In verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We're his by his grace, but we respond by deliberate choice. He said his sheep hear his voice and then they follow him. They hear him. They believe him, and then they follow him. They choose to obey his voice rather than the voice of the world or even the cry of their own heart. They choose to listen to his voice, and they choose to obey. And when it comes to salvation, friend, it is the conscious choice of an individual to respond to the Lord's call or the conscious choice to reject it. That's what the Pharisees had. 
They have the choice to respond to his call. Jesus says, I told you, but you didn't believe. The conscious choice to respond or the choice to reject. The Pharisees had ample evidence, but they chose not to believe. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 that the way of salvation is repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. What is this involved here? Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. A man's will is involved in this. When God speaks through His Word and through His Spirit and opens our understanding of our offense to Him because of our sin, and we feel the weight and the sorrow of that, now it's our choice to either bow in humble submission to God and to put our faith in Jesus Christ, or it's our choice to reject that and not believe it. A man's will is involved here. So we respond by deliberate choice. When God begins to convict your heart, and you feel that conviction in your soul, that's the voice of God calling by His grace. Now you've got a choice to make. The Lord is showing me my offense to Him. The Lord is showing me that I'm in trouble with Him. The Lord is showing me I deserve His judgment and His wrath. I either need to bow in humble submission and contrition, put my faith in Christ, or I choose to walk away. We respond by deliberate choice. It is this choice to believe that Christ died for me and His blood is my only hope. But it's also a choice to sit still and not move when He's calling. And so we find here the relationship and the privilege. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We have that relationship only by His divine grace, but we've got to choose to respond. But the second thing I want you to notice in these verses is the security. Their security, verse 28, Jesus says, Speaking of His sheep, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father, which gave them Me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Here Jesus describes that the sheep are perfectly safe, perfectly secure, because of several things. First of all, we're perfectly safe and secure because Jesus said in verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. Why are we secure in the Lord if we're saved? Why are we secure? Because we have eternal life. Now the verb here is in the present tense. That means it's current. That means it's right now. And that means that it's going to go on into the future. This life that we have is a gift of Him who laid down His life for the sheep. A gift that is continuous. A gift that is running on into the endless ages of the future. We have eternal life. Who but the eternal one could make a promise like that. I give unto them eternal 
life. Who could make a promise like that except God himself? And this in itself is a declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Pharisees constantly challenged the deity of Jesus, which was evidence that they didn't believe and they were not his sheep. But let me just say this to you. You say, okay, I understand that. We have eternal life. I think those are words that get thrown out or concepts that we don't really grab. Because if we understood and we grabbed it, listen, all fear of dying, all fear of death is completely gone. What a comfort to be free from the fear of dying. What a comfort. People are afraid to die. Usually it's because of the fear of the unknown. They don't know what's going to happen next. There's no certainty about it. And so they're afraid to die. But I have, present tense, eternal life. So I know that if I were to die, and then when I die, that I'll stand before God redeemed, safe, secure, because Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's my shepherd. I'm His sheep. And He has given me, I have, eternal life. Let me ask you the question, where would you go if you died today, friend? Think about that reality for a minute. And I'm talking to you. Where would you go? If you died right now. Is there a spark of fear? Or uncertainty that just comes into your soul? Into your heart right this moment? We just heard yesterday some friends of mine, dear friends of mine, their son, who lives in Missouri, newly married just this year, starting life with his bride. Their house caught on fire. And both of them were in the fire. And he died. His wife, badly, badly burned in critical care right now. They say a 50-50 chance that she may pull through, she may not. Friends, dear friends, what a tragic thing. He's a young man, just married, just starting out a new life with his bride, and now he's gone, he's out into eternity. The reality is you could die today but what freedom, what confidence for the one who's truly a child of God. That when I die, whatever time that is, I know. Because I have eternal life. Amen. Listen, don't be afraid of dying. Because you're going to live forever, actually. Even if you're not saved, you're going to live forever. 
what you ought to be afraid of or what you should be uncertain of. And the real worry is about where you're going to be. You're going to live forever. The real worry is where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to be? Only the sheep are safe. Only the sheep have everlasting, eternal life with the Lord. Why are we secure? Why are we perfectly safe? Because Jesus says, as the shepherd, I give my sheep eternal life. But then he says in verse 29 that they're also safe because they're a gift from the Father. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. We're also secure because we're a gift from the Father. As one of His sheep or one of the saved ones, we are, as 1 Peter 1, 2 says, elect. We're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 4 says, according as He hath chosen us, in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants all people to be saved. God wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth and Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John 17 in verse 11, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, He said, I know I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Speaking of Judas. For a gift from the Father. And for the sake of time, we need to move on here. Look at verse 28. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Here's another reason why we're secure. Because we're in Christ's hand. His hand here basically means or is talking about the almightiness of His power. We are safe and secure because we're in His hand, His power. A power as gentle as a mother's touch, but a power as strong as the eternal God. And no foe is able to pluck us out of His hand. You know what that word means? It means to seize. It means to catch away or to take by force. Not even, not even can we be taken by force out of His hand. The sheep are saved by a gift of divine life, but we're secure by the grip of divine power. He says we're also in the Father's hand, verse 29. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them 
out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now note these statements here. He says, my Father is greater than all. Speaking of Jehovah God. God is greater than all. There's nobody greater than Him. Right? He's the creator of all things. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's, 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 he's enormous and powerful. He, there's nothing greater than God. Note that statement. And Jesus says, No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Man, that's another statement of His deity, of His divinity. But a claim that he is, listen, Jesus Christ himself is greater than all. My Father is greater than all. I and my Father are one. Listen, those who say you can lose your salvation, they don't have the same Savior and God that I have. The sheep are in the all-embracing power of the Son. As the Son is in the all-embracing power of the Father. And here's the point, friend. Here's the point. Can, listen, can Jesus ever cease to be God the Son? No, He cannot ever cease to be God the Son. The security of the Son is virtually the security of the sheep. As He is in the hand of Almighty God, and He is Almighty God who is greater than all, so are we in the hand of Jesus. Friend, what I'm saying is the oneness of the Son with the Father is a powerful guarantee that we are secure in Jesus Christ. He can never cease to be God the Son, and we can never cease to be His child. But now look at verse 28 again and look at the last part or the middle part. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. You know why we are secure? Because we have the promise, the promise that we shall never perish. The conclusion is this. Ultimately, we have His promise. And this is what makes us secure. The promise is they shall never perish. You know what's interesting about that? That phrase, shall never, it's a double negative. And what a double negative means, it means that it strengthens the denial of it. So in other words, we could read it like this. They shall never, never perish. It's, it's, it's strengthening the denial of, of the fact that perishing is, is even in a, a remote thought, that it even could possibly be something that we could imagine or think of. Never, never! Listen, the infallible word of the eternal Son, they shall never perish. The infallible word of the eternal Son stands as an unbreakable, impenetrable wall between the helpless sheep of His fold and destruction from the wrath of God. God's wrath is not going to touch me because of His promise. Why is that significant? Because the breaking of His word would be the breaking of His own character. 
And the Bible tells us that one jot and one tittle of His Word cannot possibly fail. And His Word tells us that He cannot lie. And if it were true, He wouldn't be God. Thus, and here's the conclusion, we have strong consolation who have fled to Him as the refuge and shepherd of our souls. This hope is the re- this hope, it means confident expectation. Why is it confident expectation? Because he promised I'll never ever perish. He promised I'm in his hand. He can never cease to be the son of God. Therefore, I can never cease to be his child. So, I sure am glad that I know, that I know, that I know that I'm saved. Not because of me, but because of Him. How should that affect the way that we live? Especially with the world right now and where it's going and what's happening and what's coming tomorrow. What is coming tomorrow? Do you know? We don't know what a day is going to bring forth. But I know it's not getting any better. What happens if the power grid is attacked and all of a sudden the power goes out? What's our thought here in Alaska? Oh, it's going to come on. We have power outages all the time, right? Oh, it'll come back on in a while. Got to charge my cell phone. I'm running out of battery. Man, the power needs to come back on. But what would happen if it didn't come back on? There was some cyber, whatever, what do they call those? Whatever those electromagnetic pulses that destroy everything electrical. What would happen? Well, what would happen is all of a sudden people, after a little bit of time, would start to panic. And as people start to panic, chaos happens. And as the shelves in the grocery store are emptied out, maybe even looted and robbed, and there's no more food, people start to get desperate. And when you can't put gas in your car and you can't drive, if you have something of value, people know it, people are watching, guess what? They're coming after you to take your stuff, probably to kill you. Don't be surprised. Like, oh, that's fantastic. That's no, it could be reality, friend. But even if it did, I know I'm in his hand. I know that come what may in this life, I know that I'm secure. Do you know that? Are you saved? Are you one of the sheep? Jesus said to these Pharisees, I've already told you that you didn't believe. You've seen the works that I've done, but you didn't believe. But the reason you can't believe or don't believe is because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And they're safe and they're secure because I give them eternal life. And they're in my hand. For me, 
that is comforting. For me, that is encouraging. To just think again on the security that I have in Jesus Christ. If I were to die today, I know I would stand before my Savior redeemed. Do you have the same confidence? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for its truth, its promises. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for the fact that I'm forever secure. I know your love for me will never fail, even though I fail. I don't have to earn favor with you. You accept me on the merits of Jesus Christ and his shed blood and his righteousness. And I've submitted and obeyed the gospel and repented and put my faith in Christ and that made me a new creature, but it also put me in the family of God. I'm forever your son. The fear of death is gone. But Lord, there may be some today who don't share in that confidence. In fact, when they start thinking about the reality that they could die, some dread starts to come over them. There's uncertainty in their soul even now. Lord, I pray for them that they would not be like the Pharisees, even though there was mountains of evidence they rejected you. And Jesus said, because you won't believe, you're going to die in your sins. Lord, would you bring great conviction to their heart today? But also I pray for your people, true sheep, I appreciate that we have strong consolation who fled for refuge to the shepherd of our souls. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for its security. May our hearts again rejoice in that truth. And may we honor and worship and love our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.